Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvath, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. Nuggets up 34-20 on the Lakers as we wrap up the first quarter. After one, you got the Nuggets now 11, Trista. 11 and a half point favorite. Big first quarter for them. Big, big first Massive. quarter. Massive. You know, I was hoping for the hangover. I was hoping for the uh, slowdown, you know, get out there. Lakers kind of jump out early. Not the case right now. Not the case. But it is only one quarter, and as we know in the NBA, uh, teams don't get out of bed till they're down double digits. Exactly, especially in the regular season, folks. It's very much so. And this is game one of the regular season. There's a lot of games to go, and that's why we bring on our buddy Chris Miles, NBA TV, to start with. Well, we can start with this game. We can start with the offseason for the Lakers. We can look at the Denver Nuggets if you want. Let me tell you something, man. I, Despite the fact that right now the Lakers, Chris, are down by 14 after the first quarter, I do really like this Lakers team. I think they had a good offseason. And I think they put themselves in a position to be real contenders in the West this year, as long as, of course, Anthony Davis and LeBron James at least stay relatively healthy. Yeah, I mean, as long as this isn't a team that thinks, oh, we're going to do all of this again, be competitive, and get swept by the Nuggets. I mean, I don't know why people are sleeping on the Denver Nuggets, man. I've talked mm-hmm. to a lot of NBA people in the past week, Nick, and they're like, ah, oh, Nuggets were a one-off. And I'm like, what are, you, what are you guys talking about right now? Stop sleeping on the Nuggets. They just told the Lakers to wake up in the first quarter of the first game of the season, right? Yeah, that's what's crazy, uh, Chris, is I'm talking to a lot of people, too. And the one thing that keeps coming up is that Nuggets don't have a bench. Like, who do you really count on outside of that starting five? They lose Bruce Brown. They lose Jeff Green. It's like... Before Bruce Brown and Jeff Green got to these Nugget, this Nuggets team, it wasn't like they were highly coveted players. They got the bag because they contributed for the Nuggets, and then they won a title. Do you think this is still the best constructed team in the NBA, or, or do you worry at all about their depth? You know, I just I, I think that's a great question, but I realize what the Denver Nuggets are, right? And this is old man Chris, family man Chris talking, right? They are the kids tell you, Rob, okay? When they can't tell you ride wins all these awards and they're like, oh, it's the best family vehicle out there. And Charles Barkley drives a Kia tell you ride and he his kids are grown. Okay, now what I'm saying to you is that's what the Nuggets are. They're a team that everyone's used to being like a Kia. I would never buy a Kia. That's not the car I want. To now the family people are like, oh, that's that's the best value, the best car out there that you can get. But then people who want like flashy Range Rovers are like, eh, I don't like Nicole Elgin. I ain't played slow. He plays like he's playing in mud. He's got 10-5-2 in the first 12 minutes, the first nine minutes he's played, you know, in this regular season. Like, I, that's what I think the Denver Nuggets are. And you know what? I'm buying into the Kia Telly Rod. If I can put more money into it while the stock is still at a good price, even though it's already won the awards, I'm, I'm putting more, more money into it. That's where I'm at with the Nuggets. Sounds like the same conversation I had with my wife, and we got a Ford Bronco instead because she didn't want to get a Kia Telluride because it was a Kia. Whoa, whoa, so, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, Hollywood. You got a Ford Bronco? Is this something you're trying to tell me, man? That's, That's not First off, I was waiting for you to try to slide that, and we don't do that. That is a DC-only thing. Secondly, uh, the Ford Bronco is pretty great. I do really like the thing. But Are I, you I, friends with Marcus Allen? Yeah, that's Marcus the question. Allen, your name. <laughs> God. Uh, all right, so the, the Celtics... 
And the, uh, you threw me off. You, this is what you do, Chris, every time. You distract me. It's been a while. I miss you, buddy. But now you're completely distracting me again. The Celtics and the, and the uh, Bucks co-favorites to win the NBA title and the East right now. Both had great off-seasons. I absolutely love the fit with Dame in Milwaukee. I think it's perfect. Uh, I think his game completely complements what Giannis has going on there. I know that you have been the president and CEO of the Giannis fan club from the very, very beginning, long before he was an MVP candidate. Are, though... Are the Boston Celtics a team that you think is even with Milwaukee, or are they maybe even better than Milwaukee, at least right now on paper? So I'm also torn on this, Nick, because what I've always been a secret fan of is Chris Porzingis as well. Yeah. The original unicorn, you know that. Yes. And, and I'm like, oh, now he's in Boston. I mean, if you want to see a video of how much I love the unicorn when he came into our studio last year. You can find it on YouTube. It's on my page. I'm just like looking up at him, smiling. And you can tell by the end of it, and then he followed me back on the Twitter. And I was like, we're friends now, Nick. We're friends. So I'm just torn. Like, King Giannis or King Kristaps? I don't know. The only thing I need now is for Wimby to, to, to play with one of these guys. I'm like, oh, my brain's going to explode. What am I going to do there? So I don't really have that answer for you. Uh, I would love to see them play in the Eastern Conference Finals, but somehow uh, Miami's going to be there again, and I'm going to be like, oh, the Miami Heat and their boring style of play. No, I'm sick of the Heat. Don't even, to... don't even put that in the universe, please. I do not want to see the Miami Heat go on a playoff run again. I'm done. Oh, no. I don't want to see my spirit animal, Kyle Lowry, who should be working with me these days, right? I <laughs> him out there in the playoffs, man. Not at all. I don't know why he's your spirit animal, and I'm just going to leave that right there because uh, I've got a lot of questions, and we don't have much time, but maybe <laughs> offline someday. What do you think, Chris, happens with Memphis now? Because Steven Adams, done for the year. Brandon Clark, done for the year. And I like Xavier Tillman fine, but he's not really a starting center for an entire year. Like, Would you bet them to go under 45-and-a-half wins? would you bet them to be a play-in team or do you think that this is a team that could actually maybe go out and and get some center help and and who would that be well Tristan what you will learn about me is I will go back to the tangent and tell you that Kyle Lowry and I are the same exact height and have the same body build yet he has made bajillions of dollars in the (laughs) NBA and when I saw him he saw it all over my face we came up with a secret handshake that he is my spirit animal. That's how thick, that works. That thick boy love. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big booty battle. Oh, that's, that's exactly what I that's was. That's where I was going with it, but I didn't want to. Don't, I don't know you like that, but maybe I do now. Oh, so here's the deal. Um, when I look at the Grizzlies, and I look, first of all, I look at the landscape out west, and I'm like, oh, somebody's got to drop. Right? There's somebody that we're going to have high early start season that can't finish there because. There are other teams that need to rise. Like, for instance, the Lakers kind of need to rise out west, right, compared to where they finished last year. I think the Memphis Grizzlies are the team that falls. I think I believe in the Sacramento Kings uh, as being a team that will, you know, finish in the top five again this year. Um, I believe 100% obviously in the Denver Nuggets. Uh, I think the Phoenix Suns have built a good enough roster that I can't see them finishing outside of top the top three, even if Booker's out for a while, KD's out for a while. I think they have enough guys that can lead them, you know, into a top three spot out west. So when you look at it, I go, okay, John missing the first 25 games. Uh, Brandon Clark out, who was huge for them. Steven Adams out. And I'm like, offensively, they're not going to be the same. Dylan Brooks gone. Like, 
there's just too many pieces of who they've been the past four or five years that are not going to be playing to start this season. They're going to have to try to figure it out throughout the year, which also leads to more injury concerns, especially with Marcus Smart, who's been, you know, his body has been through so much. I, I'm with you. I, I think the Grizzlies uh, will be in the play-in situation. I don't know what I have for wins, because I think out west, even like 44 wins might have you uh, in the play-in, right? So I think they'll be in the play-in. What about the Thunder this year? I, I think oh. the Thunder have a chance to make a big jump, man. Mufasa. Look, <laughs> the Thunder in the San Antonio Spurs are big science experiments. I don't know if you saw that lineup that the Spurs put out there against the Warriors in the preseason game, but they were like, Jeremy Sohan came into the league as a power forward. He will start at point guard. It was like, what is going on? The Thunder are the same way. They just put like 6'12 basketball players out there. <laughs> like, all right, what's your measurement? Is it 6'12 or higher? You're on the floor. You're on the floor. You're on the floor. That's exactly what they do. I mean, SGA is 6'6", six, six, legit, and I feel like taller than that when you see him. And he's their point guard. And Josh Giddy is going to handle the rock a lot. I mean, he's 6'7", plus. Like, they're just balanced, talented, great defensive laner. Added Chet Holmgren to that mix, oh, which was like the perfect player they needed. Yeah, you know, a lot of people were wondering whether OKC was going to take Chet or whether they were going to take the the Jabari, the difference between Jabari and, and uh, Paolo because there was a lot of rumors about that back in the day. I'm curious, speaking of Paolo, I love the Orlando Magic. They were 50-1 to to win the division last year and all three of us took them because mm-hmm. we're high on them as a squad, right? And Franz Wagner comes to FIBA and he balls like his name is Laurie Marketing. Uh What do you think about Orlando this year, especially considering they have not just a lot of talent, but they have like 10 guards on their 20-man roster. The, the, the glove don't fit in Orlando right now, and I think they're going to have to figure that out. Apollo Bancaro is the star they've been waiting for. The rest of that team is just like, who fits where? Who do they need to move? When they signed Cole Anthony to that three-year, $39 million extension, I thought, okay, somebody's getting moved. They don't want to lose the asset for nothing. That's how I see that. So until they kind of figure that out, and Anthony Black looks like the kind of player that's going to need like three or four years in this league to like not make silly mistakes. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, they drafted this kid, and then, um, you know, Jed Howard also is kind of like, yeah, I think he's going to need three or four years to play in the NBA. Like they didn't draft, you know, day one ready guys in this draft either. So – I just think they're now they're primed. If there's a star in the market, I think they have all the assets to, like, if you're a team looking to rebuild, yes, boom, here are our players. Give us that asset back. But the way this team is constructed right now, I'm like, okay, they're right there with, like, the Wizards and where I think they'll fit towards the, finish towards the bottom of the East. Were you surprised that they took two guards uh, so high in the draft this year? Because they get Jet Howard at 11, they get Anthony Black at 6, but Bilal Koulibaly's sitting there, Jarris Walker's sitting there, Taylor Hendricks is sitting there, and I'm sitting there, why, like, what are they up to? They need grown-ups. They, they have enough, like, kids with potential and who's going to do what in the future. I was shocked that they kept those picks. Yeah. I, I, I mean, just... I'm looking at the landscape around the league. I'm like, no, they need to go get, like, whatever star they can get that can score 20-something a game. I mean, Nick heard me say this. I was kind of like, you know, it's really interesting. Not that Bradley Hill would want to go there, but, like, that seemed like the perfect fit, that if they can get someone next to Apollo who can score the same way, 
then I look at them differently. Then I look at them as a playoff team or uh, a team that I'm going to pay closer attention to to see what they're doing this season. Now, looking forward, I I think they have a bright future. I just, this year, I just don't see it. I just don't. All right, still got a couple of minutes talking to Chris Miles, NBA TV. So, Victor Wembanyama's the favorite, no surprise, to win Rookie of the Year. We, we, we know the type of prospect he is, the type of hype that's around him. I feel like the only thing, besides obviously injuries, put that aside, the only thing that keeps him from winning Rookie of the Year this year is if he has a good season, but people look at that and say, well, you didn't exceed the expectations that people maybe unfairly put on you, and he averages like, you know, 17 and 9. Is there anybody else besides Wemby that you look at and say they're at least a threat to winning Rookie of the Year? Now, first and foremost, Scoot Henderson and Chet Holmgren are going to have good enough seasons to win the award, Mm -hmm. right? Let's just make sure we all understand that. They're going to put up Rookie of the Year numbers. Here's the problem. Um, I thought Wimby was good. And then when I had to work preseason games, doing like pregame shows, postgame shows, because Wimby was playing, I was like, whoa, what is going on here? (laughs) And so watching every moment of him on the floor, I'm like, oh, this is different. Like, I didn't know he was this good at basketball. Right, like I knew he, and I, you know, I was at his first summer league game. I was like, "Oh, he's long. Oh, he can block shots. Oh, he he can dunk. Oh, he does have a shooting touch." But watching him in preseason with actual NBA players was completely different. Like his decision making, his help side defense. Like Andrew Wiggins thinking he's open five different times and shooting great shots, and Wimby just denying him, and seeing like Wimby get these guys' heads. I'm like. Oh, like, I, I don't know what to think of the Spurs. I have to watch their first 10 games because I can't just automatically count them out. Now, to that point, if the Spurs win over 30 games, he is your rookie of the year. Whatever stats he puts up. Because he's going to he's gonna have the highlights. He's going to look the part. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be amazing. So if he plays the prerequisite 65 and the Spurs win 30 games or more, he's your rookie of the year. And I, there's no conversation to be had. Chris, who should I bet on for coach of the year? Oh, let's see. What team is likely to over? Greg Popovich? What's the odds on Pop? <laughs> oh, I mean, they've got to be. They've got to be pretty long. Let me see. How many games do you think the Spurs need to win? While Nick looks this up, how many games do the Spurs need to win for Pop to win Coach of the Year? Well, they they won twenty two last year, right? Popovich yep. is so, thirty to one, Chris. Oh, man, put some money on that, baby. Are you kidding me? Look, I'm only – not that he's going to win the award, but you always have to look at it as the overachieving team or the thing that yep. – Pop's going to be that, man. It, oh, look at this lineup he put out there with Wimp. Why not? 30 to 1? That's the best degenerate thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> you know, and the amazing thing is, too, I mean, they have they do have other decent talent besides just Wemby there. So, so they certainly got the potential to actually really jump up and try to win games this year. Chris Miles, NBA TV. Great What's talking up? to you, buddy. Hey, Hollywood, let me ride on your, on your boat, man. I will, I'll get a ride out of here. Your You're boat. the worst. It's Pet MGM tonight. Chase Kitty's next. We're back with BetMGM Tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Nuggets up 54-40 on the Lakers, 4.30 to go. They're 11.5-point favorites. We already got a one nothing lead for Arizona, <sighs> bottom of the first now. Uh, but Kyle Schwarber now up to the plate. 
Well, he's, he's been up there, but, you know. And by the way, it's not Brandon Fett. It's Brandon Fought, as uh, Scott Lynn pointed out to me. Knows a guy that knows a guy that knows the family and says they've actually, most people have been saying it wrong. So there you go. I always wanted to say, but that's not. That's not how you say it, right, Scott? Correct. It's okay, fought, cool. and uh, it's right. with a K, because he just struck out. Yes. Isle Schwarber. Uh, well, as we know, I Add see the that. K. Dad joke, good job, well done. Uh, Kyle Schwarber does two things. He strikes out or he hits home runs. So you're going to get one, you're going to get the other. This time, we get him to strike out. So our buddy Chase Kitty jumps on with us now, Lions Edge Podcast. And, uh, you know, I, I, I guess um, I'll be honest with you, man. I'm still kind of I'm kind of hurting from this past weekend in the NFL. Was uh was rough for the public, rough for a lot of people. Did you come out at least decent? Did you make it out of that bloodbath a lot of people had to deal with? Uh, I'm I'm okay. A little mm-hmm. positive from the NFL over the weekend, so I feel fortunate in that way. College the last couple weeks, I have not been able to throw a rock in the ocean. <laughs> so I think smarting a little bit from that, it's just been kind of like tight card, tight podcast, keep it moving, couple of picks. Don't overextend yourself. Oh, really? Don't overextend yourself. That's a that's a really good tip. I wish I would have known that since. Tristan had a rough day yesterday. Now I've had a rough couple of weeks, <laughs> Chase. I don't actually know the first. You know what it is too is the first five four. We'll call it first first five weeks of the season. I was betting, I what I thought was very sharp. And the public was just winning favorites, 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 favorites. And I was like, all right, I guess it's just going to be a favorites kind of public year. And then as soon as I started taking these these trendy dogs, these big favorites, then all of a sudden sharp money's winning. I don't know what to make of it, heads or tails. What's my out, Chase? What do I do? I, if you're truly feeling like you're like you're bent over backwards and you don't know what way is up, I don't know. Maybe just you you start pulling a Costanza and you start doing just the opposite of whatever Saving you think yourself. is going to work. Yeah. yeah, I'm in the wave. I don't know what's up and I don't know what's down. So help me win some of my money back because we've got Thursday night football. Buccaneers eight and a half point dogs against the Bills. Bills haven't looked great. It's a short week. My gut says the sharp money is going to be on Tampa. I kind of like Tampa as well. And, you know, we're in that part of the season where we're kind of like you're alluding to. You're, you're starting to see some people give some money back to the house, right? So I, I, I always want to be careful about labeling one side as sharp or square or the other when we're in this sort of second quarter, middle of the season phase. But it does feel to me like in September, I wrote a lot about how good Buffalo was and how popular Buffalo had become. I think at one point, and even right now, they have something like 20% of the AFC championship handle, which is way more than every other team, including Kansas City. So there's a lot of position on Buffalo in the market because of how strong they looked in those opening five weeks. But they've put, like, six guys on IR the last two, two and a half weeks. It it seems like the defense has degraded. They're one and two the last three weeks. They're lucky to be one and two because they probably should have lost that Giants game when you consider the Giants have two drives that end on the one-yard line. They get zero points out of it, and it's a one-possession game. So it, it really feels like, to me, Buffalo – it's not even a regret. I talk so much about regression. This is not a regression problem. This is a substance problem. They're not playing well right now. I think Josh Allen maybe 
has an undisclosed injury uh, from from watching him and how how he's moved and the plays he has elected to make or not make. There's something wrong there with this team, and I don't see why you lose to the Patriots, you lose to the Jaguars, you're lucky to beat the Giants. Why should you be laying north of a touchdown in this spot against anybody, let alone a team like Tampa that is, I think, competent? I don't know if they're as good as they've been in the past, but they're competent, and that's a big number. Let's look at the rest of Week 8 where it's kind of an ugly slate, man. You look, we have one game where both teams are over 500. That's not, uh, it's not a, a long list of, oh, my God, I can't wait to watch this game, this game, and this game. Uh, I, I guess for me, I'd probably say, like, maybe Bengals 49ers is one of the games I'm looking forward to, only because the Bengals have started to kind of turn things around, though I'm still kind of questioning, you know, if that offense can get a full rhythm. 49ers coming off of two straight losses kind of feels like a take-it-out-on-the-Bengals situation if they can get a little bit healthier. What's the game that you're kind of targeting right now early on that you like, whether it's a side or a total? I think Texans-Panthers is one I kind of have an eye for. Uh, both teams are coming off a bye, so you don't necessarily have any kind of net rest advantage. But you're dealing with two young quarterbacks and two relatively um, unestablished coaches in their respective positions. I, I know Reich's been there before, but like the, the Carolina uh, regime is still pretty new, and obviously D'Amico and, and Houston is still new. It feels to me like Houston knows what it is much more clearly than Carolina does. And I think what a lot of people are going to see here are two kind of ugly franchises who aren't quite anywhere close to the peak of what they could be in the future. So maybe people don't necessarily want to get involved in a game this ugly. But I think there's a clear distinction here between one team knowing exactly what it is and what it wants to do and one team being completely listless. I think three here is a pretty nice number to get. The other one I see is Brown Seahawks. The total here is 40. I think it's going to go down even though it's already pretty low. I think Cleveland's defensive front is just going to rock my guy Geno. I think neither offense is going to find much success. And I think this is just going to be an ugly, low-scoring game, kind of like Cleveland has mostly played except for, of course, the strange, bizarre Colts game that they just found a way out of. Yeah, that was a very strange game. 70-something total points scored. Uh, what do you make of this Jaguars-Steelers game? Steelers somehow, I don't know how, are 4-2. and two. I really have no idea how they have the same record as the Browns considering how bad this defense has been, how inept this offense has been, but they go back to the crib and they get a Jaguars team that's kind of found their rhythm and found their defense. Yeah, I, I was looking at point differentials today, not that that's the be-all, end-all stat. But Pittsburgh's four and two, and there's have something like a minus twenty six point differential, yeah. and it just it doesn't really make any sense. And in most cases, you know, I'm, I'm such a law of large numbers guy. I think I would make the case that hey, at some point, you know, regression's going to kick in, and that could absolutely be the case with them. But Pittsburgh does this kind of stuff all the time. They they, they, they have an uneven offense but they're really good on defense and they're really good, you know, in the coaching game. And it, they always feel like they make the right decisions in the right moments. And I, I just think that can be hard to beat, especially when you're playing at home with that kind of home field advantage. We overstate home field advantage all the time. Not, not with Pittsburgh, right? Not, not with a well-traveled 
home or away, almost doesn't even matter kind of fan base like that. So I, I do think Pittsburgh, even though it's messy, it's ugly, the numbers don't really support what they do, I kind of like them to keep doing this funny we just say that about the Steelers all the time right like there's certain teams certain coaches where you just you never really want to totally count them out and it's funny because like started to feel like that's what a lot of us were doing myself included I finally gave up on the Patriots and said well this is finally it it's over and then of course we watched what you know happened last week against the uh the Bills and I go okay well I guess there's still something there left for the Patriots look they're nine and a half point dogs at the Dolphins we know the Dolphins have owned them even when they were a good team in the past the Patriots even come back and cover in that one yeah, I really think, you know, going back to the discussion about the Bills, I think that outcome was a lot more about what's wrong with the Bills than mm-hmm. what could be right with the Patriots. So I, I don't really change my evaluation of who New England is mm-hmm. at, at this point. They're they're probably the worst team in that division. I the the issue is, do you really want to lay all those points with Miami? And I'm not sure that I do. Um, so it, it's it's one of the firmest passes for me of the day, but I think I, I think the Dolphins could definitely be a teaser target at least. Where do you put the Ravens now that they absolutely demolished the Lions, which looked like Most a top them. five team, but also they've found their offense in in ways that we were hoping they would when they hired Todd Munkin. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about it this way: when you have when you have a guy like Lamar playing quarterback, and we know how dynamic he is, and you have the culture that Baltimore does, if you're that kind of team, if you're a Ravens, if you're a 49ers, uh, maybe maybe an Eagles, you're going to have two or three games a year where you just smoke somebody, where just everything you do goes right, everything they do goes wrong. And I think that's what the Ravens did. We, we've seen what the Ravens are when they're at their best. And, you, Nick, you were talking about losing bets. That was a big L for me this weekend. Oh, I was yeah. one for two on the big bets. Yep. I was right about the Eagles over the Dolphins, and I couldn't have been more wrong about the Lions beating the Ravens. So there was that. I, I am not going to totally overreact to that Ravens win. I, I really do think it's a high-water mark and a glimpse at what they can be when they're at their best. I just don't think they're going to give you that every week. So if – you know, it's it's all going to be numbers based. It's all going to be, well, what price do I have to pay to buy them going forward week to week? But I am not going to radically change who I think they are, uh, even though I do think we've seen some some pretty steady movement in the futures market, moving the Ravens up the board and up the board, even in a crowded AFC. Yeah, I actually really like the Ravens to start the season. I did bet them to win the Super Bowl, so I'm going to be rooting for the Ravens the rest of the way because, I mean, it's been look, it's been an up-and-down season just in general, it feels like. Just unpredictable, a lot of parity around the NFL. Some of that's bad, some of it's good. But it's funny, like, you mentioned the Lions. I'm looking at the NFC side of things. It's still 49ers, then Eagles, then Cowboys, and Lions all the way down at 7-1 to one to win the NFC. Obviously, the Lions have certainly climbed more. They were kind of a, a darling fun public pick through before the season even started and then it kind of continued especially after their win over the Chiefs but right now I mean we've watched these top teams in the NFC 49ers lose two straight Eagles have had bad performance and then good performance against the Dolphins and we know where the Cowboys are right now and then obviously the Lions and what happened against the Ravens who is the team that you trust the most in the NFC right now I still think it's San Francisco Mm -hmm. I, I still think if they're healthy if you know they've got a great production, all things considered, 
out of a super cheap rookie quarterback that I don't even think is making a million dollars this year. They've got dudes all over the, you know, all, all over the field on both sides. Special teams is good. The coaching is good. If they are healthy, they're my team. Now, interestingly, I mean, you, you nailed it on, on the four teams, right? Those are the four. When you look at the NFC odds board, it is those four and then draw a giant line and everybody else is below <laughs> them. And that doesn't mean that it can't be somebody from below those four, but it's probably going to be Detroit or Dallas or Philadelphia or San Francisco. And, you know, take out the odds, take out the math, take out the prospect of return. I like San Francisco. I do think Detroit is interesting from an odds perspective because Dallas, I think, has shown you, you know, when they lose a couple pieces on defense, we've never really seen Dak do it in the playoffs, you know, beyond the wild card level of the playoffs. Uh, Philadelphia, it just feels like there's a rock in their shoe, kind of. I think that's the best way to put it. Uh, and, and, you know, they could be there at the end just because they've got home field advantage and everything. And it, it's, you know, the institutional momentum of how the playoffs are set off could work for the Eagles. But I feel like the Lions, in some ways, have the least amount of volatility in who they are. And I'm saying that after they got absolutely demolished in Baltimore. I understand that. But they're going to attack you with offense and they're going to attack you with aggression. And I think those are things that you get rewarded for in 2023 in the NFL. So I do still think they're a really interesting futures ticket to hold. We talk about home road splits. I'm curious your thoughts about the Taylor Swift, non-Taylor Swift splits. <laughs> uh, Travis Kelsey, an absolute beast when she's in the building. Uh, looks like their relationship's starting to tick up. There's some physical contact being documented. Her kiss on the cheek, her hand God. to the chest. How much more of this are we going to have to take? I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. As, as a card-carrying Swifty who also thinks that all of this is still fake, uh, she's going to leave the country in a couple weeks, and we're all going to stop talking about this. God, I hope so. I hope so. We still got about, like, 45 seconds here. I know you're a JMU alum. What do you think about, like, all these politicians now, everybody trying to campaign to get the NCAA to waive that stupid rule they have so they can play in a bowl game? They've been great this year. Yeah, I mean, they're really good. I don't care. I mean, I, I really don't. It's 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 a bowl game. Wow. It's I mean, what are they going to play? Because there's no way they're getting to New York New Year's Six bowl game. They, uh, the beat writer from Harrisonburg actually emailed like the college football playoff committee, and like it's not happening. Which means the best case scenario is like, hey, we're going to go play in the San Diego County Credit Union Poinsettia Bowl. Like, and I don't care about that. I, I care much more about being 12 and 0 at the end of the year and having that to feel proud of. Who cares about a bowl game? That's always the bowl game that I use as an example, too. It's the most ridiculous name and always will be, although Gronk now has a bowl game named after him, so I don't know. Everything's jumped the shark. There's too many bowl games to begin with anyway. Great talking to you, buddy. Yeah, be good, guys. Chase Kitty. Always good to talk to him. Yeah, it's uh, the JMU thing is weird. It's a dumb rule. Two years in and they can't be in a bowl game. They're not counting records. Sack to It's just dumb. It's bad MGM tonight. And improved Odyssey app. Continue to work with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL network, presented by BetMGM. Yeah, Ron Rivera has been working on that though for like four years, Trista, and nothing's changed. I would rather right now, and this may sound crazy, I would rather have Mike McCarthy coaching my Commanders than Ron Rivera. I'm over it. I'm wow. over it. They're six and a half point dogs at home this Sunday that with the Eagles coming to town. 
Ron Rivera, the league has passed him by. And if you really look, he had mostly losing records in Carolina. Now, yes, he did go to a Super Bowl, could have probably gone to another, had a couple of good seasons with Cam Newton. But for the most part, he's been a losing head coach. Yeah, and you know what's interesting to me about that? The difference between the NFL and the NBA is they do not care if you go to a... a you go. The difference is like you can go to a World uh, uh, Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and that like is something that you can live off of yes. for the rest of your career. Yes. And everybody gives you all this credit about going to that place. It is very but true. But then Nick Nurse gets a chip, gets a ring, and they fire him in Toronto. Dwayne Casey ends up winning Coach of the Year. Fired. Fired when he won Coach Fired of the Year. Fired when he won Coach of the Year. You've got multiple guys. Frank Vogel, fired, yep. won a championship. There's plenty of opportunities for you to not be good. Just because you went to the end of the road does not mean that you should just have ultimate job security. Well, especially if you're somebody like Ron Rivera, who just doesn't make adjustments, he doesn't make changes. He doesn't, he doesn't adjust at all. It's here's my plan, here's my coaching staff, here's what it's going to look like on the field, and that's what we're doing. And he's rigid, and there's a reason why this team hasn't progressed at all. And I'll just say this, because this isn't a D.C. show, so I know most people don't care. I'm glad he was hired because he at least helped give some respectability to the culture that was still a mess with Dan Snyder there, but now the owner's gone. We're past it. It's time to move on. I think they clean house. I also don't think Eric is even going to be back. I think ownership clears house. I mean, everybody, front office, coaching staff, everything, completely fresh start. And it's going to be a popular job, too. It'll be a popular job because you got an owner that's going to want to spend, and it's going to be a complete fresh start. So I think that all of that really changes. Interesting, though, this weekend because we're looking around, and there's a lot of games. I mentioned it before to Chase Kitty, and you know, like we don't have a ton of games. In fact, we only have one where two teams are actually over 500 this weekend. So not as much, but there has still been at least some line movement heading into Week Eight. Is he gone for how long? <laughs> how does this affect sides, totals? Props? It's time for another installment of Market Movers. It's dramatic, Tristan. I love it. It's like a telenovela. <laughs> it really is. I, it, it is spot on to like a soap opera. Is it gone? When will it come back? <laughs> it might never, bitch. It you know, might it, never. It, it's crazy to think. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, as he puts his head in his hands and just pretends he didn't hear anything that was just said there. Oh, I heard it now. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, I mean, it is interesting, though, because, again, when we're looking at where these things open, these opened a long time ago, but even just to look at some of the movement there is like the Bills were 10 point favorites when it first opened against the Bucks. They're eight and a half point favorites now. I think. That, to me, is certainly a testament to where Tampa is now. Better, better than what we thought they'd be, right? Even though they can't run the football at all. And the Bills are the Bills are a rough, rough watch. Like, after watching the Lions and the Bills both just look abysmal this past weekend. Let's just say to that. Even though, obviously, it was a closer game to the Patriots, the Patriots stink. You look at that, and you look at the Lions, who are still eight-point favorites at home against the Raiders on Monday Night Football. I'm actually more confident, not just in because of the matchup, but even in the teams in general. I still think the Lions are a better candidate, a better team to bounce back this week and in future weeks as opposed to the Bills. The Bills are showing us what they are, and they're a week-by-week roller coaster. You don't know what they're going to get. They're not healthy defensively anymore, and you just kind of sit there and wonder what they're going to look like each and every week. Yeah, the Bills defensively have gotten worse, mostly because of injuries. Yeah. You look at a team like the Eagles, and they continue to add along the way by making critical trades. Why couldn't the Bills do that? 
deal. I, I don't understand it. They end up losing Trey White for the year. They end up using uh, losing Milano for the year. Yeah. So it's just a team that I'm having some vibe bad faith in, especially considering that they could barely squeak out a win against Tyrod Taylor's uh, New York Giants. So they go back home, and obviously that's important. Buffalo has a great environment. It's a good home field advantage. But on a short week, after you looked abysmal against a Patriots team and you let the Patriots score with a minute left in the game, Mac Jones and the Buccaneers are – they're coming. They're coming for you. I actually like the Buccaneers in this spot. Would have mm-hmm. loved them plus 10, but I think this thing moves even more. I think it's going down to seven and a half, eight. You know, it, it's funny that you say that because, I mean, Tampa we, we thought could be an absolute – I mean, really just a dumpster fire this year, right? The defense has exceeded expectations, and I'd say Baker Mayfield exceeded expectations too. But Buffalo is – like, I'm not going to – it's not like they're unwatchable, but there's just something about them where it's just – it's kind of ugly. Yes. It's just kind of ugly at times. It's not fun. It's sloppy. It's inconsistent. Gabe Davis, where was he? He was on a milk carton. Yeah, and how's it they, they can put up 38 points one week against the Dolphins, and then, you know, against the Giants, you're wondering what like what happened. Neither one of them are good defenses. Exactly, and you don't. I don't know how they weren't able to get uh, to the quarterback, which is what they're supposed to be doing, especially considering the Giants have one of the worst offensive lines in history. In history. Oh. Then they look great against the Commanders, but we don't we don't want to we don't want to talk about that. You feel good about your Cowboys against the Rams? Six and a half point favorites. I don't. No. Uh, no, that would not be a bet I would take. <laughs> the Rams have given the Cowboys fits in the past. Obviously, there was the last time they played in the playoffs, finally got the win. But no, I I actually like this Rams team. Uh, I know they didn't look great last week against mm-hmm. the Steelers, and I don't even know what that was about. But this is a situation where line hasn't moved from open. That gives me, you know, quite a bit of intrigue. 67% of the bets are on Cowboys and 78% of the mo- 76% of the money is on the Cowboys. This is an absolute stay away spot for me. Probably an opportunity for me to take some maybe some props, but I I don't want to touch this game. When you talk about props, you concerned at all about that Cowboys defense, though, ruining some things for like Cooper Cup was terrible this past week. He was. And some of it I'm just bitter because, I mean, he had 29 yards receiving. And I, I, I am He'll a little. Co- back. I know that secondary is kind of hit or miss, right? Like if, if Micah Parsons is getting home and they're going to get opportunities then to lock guys down in the secondary, you just don't really know what you're going to get another team. Sort of like the Bills, right? The Cowboys are kind of similar there, too, defensively, where you could get dominant defense or you could get, oh my God, they look like they're just getting beat every single play out there. Yeah, and I'm trying to find out what wide receiver ones are doing versus the Cowboys um, in terms of just, like, total yards and fantasy stuff. Um, sometimes you can find that yeah. because of daily fantasy. But, yeah, I think that the Cowboys in the secondary, that's where you can get to them. So, Matt Stafford, I believe in Matt Stafford. I think he's going to be able to, you know, roll out, evade pressure, et cetera, et cetera. You saw what Justin Herbert was able to do a little bit against this Cowboys team the last time we saw them before the bye. So I think this should be a mildly interesting offensive game. Maybe not without a lot of of points, but I still could see some yards being put up. Chargers now eight-and-a-half-point favorites over the Bears and Tyson Bajant, right? Did I say it right? Bajant, I got it this time. I swear, every time I say it, I'm like, did I say this guy's name right? 
if the Chargers, Tristan, that is, it ain't even about cover. If they lose this game, which could be a possibility, mm-hmm. Brandon Staley's got to go. Has to go at this point. And I'm looking at this game going, do I do I fade the Chargers? Do I at least take the Bears plus eight and a half? Do I, do I take the points with a Bears team that's got a Division II quarterback starting? The answer's yes. And I kind of feel like yes. The answer's yes, unfortunately. I don't. I don't know how we do it. Like I don't know how I push submit on that. I know. I don't know how I physically go to my app and put my hard-earned money on the Bears against Justin Herbert. But they find ways to lose. They find ways to lose at home. They find ways to lose on the road. Line is eight and a half. I think you have to take the Bears plus eight and a half. Oh my god, I can't do I it. Think but you I think I feel to like I it. need to. I know. Not a great number I, but, uh, for Charger fans. But honestly, too, like after last weekend with all of the, just the games that made absolutely no sense, yep. on paper that still doesn't make sense, right? No. Like Bears, like no, Chargers, more talented. May, normally you'd think, oh, bounce back spot, right? Or yep. like, oh, this team, I I don't trust that Chargers Do defense. Do they have a bounce back spot, you know? I don't know if they, and that's it. I just don't know if they have that anymore. They kind of, like year after year, right, they've always... I would say year after year. Let's say the last two years. The Chargers have been that team. Maybe three. All right. Take that next step. Take that next step. They maybe take some baby steps, but it always feels empty. It always feels like the Chargers didn't take that step as far forward as we expected. Now, it's like they've turned around and they're sprinting in the opposite direction. What is this team? I don't understand it. They've got all the talent in the world. They've got one of the most talented rosters defensively, offensively, Khalil Mack. Derwin James, Joey Bosa. I mean, these are dudes. I think Justin Herbert has one of the best arms in the league. You've got Eckler. You've got Josh Kelly. You've got Keenan Allen. You've got Mike Williams. You've got Gerald Everett. Why can't you win some effing games? Don't understand it. I mean, they it's very least, annoying. They at least forced a couple of turnovers uh, against the Chiefs, but, of course, they still lost by two touchdowns. And you're watching that going... I thought they would cover that. that. Yeah. I thought they would cover that. Well, that's because how often do we look at that with the Chiefs, right? Yeah. Problem is now the Chiefs are three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road at Denver. Kind of feel like they're at least going to cover that one. Or Sorry, seven-and-a-half. It was three-and-a-half. Sorry, open at three-and-a-half. That's what I meant to say. They're going to destroy the Broncos. Yeah, I feel like, too, this is is now the Broncos getting ready to start selling that team off, I think. Yeah, and it's a a 425 game, so it's not a primetime game. Again, this is sort of the same scenario that I thought last last week would be the case where they might not live up to trying to get themselves onto a new team. So, yeah, I like the Chiefs in this spot, especially if potentially uh, Taylor Swift's up. <laughs> Every week now it's going to be this. I... Is she there? Is she... is she gone? Is she... is she coming back? Will she ever show up again? Do they love each other, Trista? Is it a kiss? You... Is it a hug? Do you believe that it's a relationship no, now I or don't. no? Good, no, thank you. We're still on the same page. I'm digging my heels in with this, and you and I are going to die on this hill. Exactly. It is not a real relationship. Until they get actually married. And even then, that could be fake. Listen, come on, <laughs> Katie Holmes, Tom Cruise. That is true. I mean, there's a lot of this stuff. Scientology, be, baby. It's totally fake. I don't think people have ever signed No, I'm just saying. Yeah, but in general, it is there. NFL Power Rankings coming up next. It's Ben MGM tonight.